Welcome into episode 143 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast. I'm Luke Lipinski alongside Craig Morgan. The Natty Hattie. Jamie Eisner. Sup. And Leftovers has a I, I fought against Hi guys, guys. I'm so sorry. Oh boy. Is there a limit on how many I'm words so, you can so say? I'm so, so sorry. Let me set the scene for you. Let me give you the minutes of our pre-show meeting, okay? Uh, at one point, Jamie told Leftovers, you're barely even what's left over at this point. Yes. Because we were having technical difficulties. Uh, what was your, when you did your mic test, what did you say? He told he said that he's an embarrassment to his parents. Yes, he they thought that. they raised a doctor and he can barely get audition to work to record this podcast. So you might not even be hearing this. And uh, great news for everybody. Craig, who has been using a 40-foot keyboard because the keyboard on his laptop is broken. The tin uh, key. Whatever. Brought in a Smith Corona typewriter and hooked that up to his uh, his laptop today. So that won't be irritating at all. And that, of course, led to Craig putting a cloth underneath the keyboard to make sure that it was at least a little... It's like a silencer for his keyboard. Well, it was for our listeners, not for you. No, absolutely not. And uh, Leftovers thought he was going to put it over the keys, which is... I kind of want to see that happen now. Yeah, How would you he didn't really think that through very well. No. Again, you could see why he didn't become a doctor. So, here we are. Uh, you can tweet into the show at the Natty Hattie. We've got. Some I just want to make this part really clear: that it's the immense amount of respect I have for Craig Morgan that I allow leftovers to have a mic. Like Craig is the only one that is a sp- supportive of this. So Craig pushed for this because I yes. was very neutral. Yes, I did, I did push for this. Craig, and Craig was, is is Chris's biggest fan, maybe only fan, probably only fan. <laughs> Definitely, clearly, we've already established that your parents are not your fans. So yeah, <laughs> he's not even really that big of a fan. Um, yes, you can tweet into the show at the Natty Hattie. We've got some good questions we'll get to throughout the show. You can email the show at the natural, yeah, the natural at gmail.com. You know what else you can do on iTunes? You can rate us. You can. And, Please uh, rate us. It, rate, subscribe, review, say nice things about us. Yeah. Uh, I, I, again, I'm, I'm very sensitive. I get very upset when people criticize me, so just make, make really nice comments and so I don't cry. If you're going to criticize somebody, definitely criticize Jamie, yeah, which g- is obvious. G- give the show five stars and then write in the comments how much you hate me. The, totally cool with that. Again, or like Maybe I said, do d- download, don't listen, I don't care. Can I rate the show? No, listen. And, and we've... Uh, we've well, this episode, Those numbers have gone up the last two episodes. We appreciate you guys doing that. Yes, it helps really, us no, a on a serious note, we really do appreciate that. And on a not serious note, if you're still listening to the show after finding out that Leftovers has a mic, God bless you. He, but you know what? He's not abusing his power yes. so far. Yet. I'm surprised Over you're not Over under like two and a half times where he mutes my mic randomly during the show and then like starts talking and making some asinine point about the Blackhawks or something. But he could have always done that. What are you I mean, drinking over always, there, by the he way? He could have done one you, of the two. Since you always reject my coffee. This is a science. So okay. Chris is giving up, uh, gave up soda for Lent. Okay. He also does. You could talk now. It was not for Lent. I oh. just gave it up just to try to be healthier. Just for forty days. Good call. I have a month bet with. Why a don't you just leave page. your mic on and oh, stop it's, clicking it? Background noise. Yeah, we don't so want the background. What background noise? The same background noise that we have. You, you're going to show up in his mic. We're going to hear twice the Jamie. Nobody oh, wants that. Oh, that's lovely. No, that's that's the best case scenario. <laughs> it's, that's I should wear two us, mics. That's people deleting us off iTunes. Um, I don't want to interrupt, but do you guys want to talk any hockey? Oh, sure. Okay. Daniel Sedin retired. Well, is going to retire. I think Henrik is, too. At the same time? Yeah. It's amazing <laughs> how that happens. Wow. Okay. Let me rewrite all my pre-show notes, then. What do we think of the uh, Sedins and the remarkable career that they have put together? Let me throw a stat out at you. Uh, Henrik Sedin, the all-time Vancouver Canucks leading point producer with 1,068. Daniel Sedin has 1,039. And my personal favorite, when you search Vancouver Canucks all-time stat leaders... It gives you the option of do you want regular season or postseason? Why would anybody care about the Vancouver Canucks postseason? They had there that are one, no stats. They had that one okay run. 
that one okay run when they should have won the cup actually they should have they should have team I wrote about this you did on Fanrec Sports as a matter of fact you should read it how well how old is it like I could one day ago oh, two days okay. ago okay. one day ago exactly one day ago all right like. Right. Look, I know now? you're busy. Not at this moment. Oh, but, I, yes. I know you're busy trying out different brunch spots in the East Valley, but oh, like you can make some time to. I've even migrated over to Uptown Phoenix for brunch. Um, what do we think here about the Sedins? Are they really retiring? Yes, they are. Okay, discuss. I think you're having a one-way conversation with yourself now. <laughs> what yes. I wrote about is is I, I don't think they will ever get the respect that that I believe they're due as players. Look, you, you can you can look at the stats and and understand that they're 66th and 73rd all time among points producers. That in and of itself is impressive enough. They're both going in the Hall of Fame. There's no question in my mind. But I don't think, outsiders at least, I think maybe internally there are a lot of people who understand how much they meant to that franchise and just how good they were. But I don't think outsiders necessarily think of these two as that upper echelon of player, and I think they were for a while. The the stats back it. The problem is, as we just discussed, Vancouver never won a cup. They got really close in 2011 when they played Boston. They were the better team, but they were so banged up that they just couldn't They couldn't do it. They, it was a seven-game series. They lost to the Bruins, and they never got, to be honest, they never got close again. I don't think they went to the conference final again with the Sedins. So that hurts their case, and I understand what people are saying, but it has as much to do as the players around them as anything else. And again, I, I just thought that they, they impacted the game in so many ways. Rick Tockett talked about this when I asked him about it. He said there there are elements of what they do on the power play that have influenced what other teams do. He said, I took elements from what they do on the power play and have incorporated it into what I do. Yeah, I mean, at at their peak, they were sensational to watch. They were really, the the McCall Samuelson, Daniel Sedin, Henrik Samuelson line, or or Henrik Sedin line was really, really kind of fun to watch um, throughout the number of years when they were in cup contention, even though they never got to the ultimate goal. I was a huge fan watching them. I thought they were it was innovative the way they played the game. They were kind of a little bit out in front of the the speed to offense type game when everybody was still kind of trying to play this grinded out bigger guy type of game. Uh, but I agree with Craig completely. There was the big knock on them throughout their career. I mean, they they kind of became this. Interestingly enough, that kind of the butt of jokes. Yeah. Um, I remember you saw a lot of things where. It was always about well, they never won a cup. They never won a cup. They, you know, there were they were there were a lot of other bad taunts thrown at them. You know, trying mm-hmm. to calling them other things and yes. uh, things that are very, very uh, misogynistic and and a lot of just bad stuff. I won't repeat on here. But it, but overall, their run was really something special to watch. And I think people forget there were some lean years where Crosby and Ovechkin were good but not at their best. And Henrik Sedin was really, really strong. And he was really, really strong even when Daniel was injured. I mean, and they have both been able to succeed when the other one has not been able to play. Although when you hurt one, you hurt the other one somehow too. Pretty much. But overall, they were just a real treat to watch. And they really made Vancouver not only relevant, but an exciting team for a number of years. Yeah, I mean, Vancouver was scary for a while there. If if you were facing them, and it was because of the Sedins, they had some other weapons, but those were the guys. And they, they could do stuff on the ice collectively in tandem that you don't see really ever. And I don't, I mean, I would assume that's either because they are identical twins or just because they played hockey together uh, forever growing up and, and throughout their entire NHL career. I mean, that's the most remarkable thing in some ways is that they found a way to both end up on the same NHL team 
and they've never they've never played against each other. Like it's it's unreal that they've been able to do that. I can't help but wonder. I I mean, I don't know. We're not going to see magic like that on the ice very often between hmm. two players. No, there's um, a mind melt going on there. And, and that team when they almost won the cup. I mean that that. Like you said, Craig, that team probably should have won the cup, and then they just lit their own city on fire and moved on, and they haven't done much since. <laughs> yeah. They had 117 points that season, by the way. In five of six seasons, Vancouver had more than 100 points. And here are the teams that knocked them out in the playoffs. This is also important to remember with what was going on in the Western Conference at the time of, you know, of, the, of the Sedin's prime. In 2006-07, they lost to the Ducks in the conference semifinals. Who won the cup? The Ducks. Yeah. In 2009-10, they lost to the Blackhawks in the conference semifinals. Who won the cup? The Blackhawks. In, in, we mentioned the, the season where they were banged up, where they lost to the Bruins in the final. In 11-12, they had 111 points. Who did they lose to? They lost to the Kings, who won the cup. So they ran into some really good teams, some teams that we've talked about, some cup champions. Yeah. And a couple of those teams that are considered, you know, as close as you get, I guess, salary cap era dynasties. So they had some bad luck playing in a really strong Western Conference as well. They're kind of like the, uh, I don't know, like the Utah Jazz went back when Jordan was was playing, and mm. the Bulls were just unstoppable. I, mean, I guess there was a few teams when Jordan the was. Knicks. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's a better analogy. But uh, let me ask you this: Why, why do you think they are retiring now? Is there, if there was an option for them both to get traded to another team? That was just never something they were even going to entertain. Because no. I know it's impossible to trade both contracts. They told, in fact, I interviewed them last year, wrote, wrote this story again for Fan Rags Boys. I know, I'm setting you up I'm this kidding. time. Is that what you're doing? Nice. Think of me as Henry. I should have been more subtle. Mm-hmm. But they said, they said, both said then, we're not going to play for anybody else. And that included going back to Sweden. They didn't want to play for another team. It was either Vancouver or retire. And I think when you look at what's happening with the Canucks, that, that's played into it. They were too classy to say it. But I think, in, in essence, the Canucks are saying, yeah, it's time to move on. And yeah. the Sedins are okay with that. I, it makes sense. Look, this team is not going to be in contention for the next couple of years. So what's the real benefit of sticking around for another year or two? They, they've done their leadership thing. They've had that influence on the, the younger players coming up to see, you know, how you handle yourself on and off the ice. But it's a good time to move on. It just makes sense. And now, now they can finally open that tandem bike shop that we all know that they're going to, uh, to create. Do you remember the commercial for... It was for the NHL. I don't know if it was for, like, the center ice package or whatever. It's it's from, like, seven or eight years ago when they're having the bachelor party and they order the Swedish tw- uh, twins and Henrik and Daniel just show up in full gear with a boombox. Does anybody remember this? I do remember that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> about couple, as good as you could ask for. A couple of things. To, to Oliver Ekman Larson and Nicholas Chalmerson both played with, with these guys in international competition. And, and, and this is a common refrain. that If you're reading the stories that are all over the, the, uh, the Internet today... Everybody talks about what class acts these guys were, but it, it, it goes deeper than that in that they, they treat everybody the same way. They're, they are very humble. I, I've had that experience with them, but you talk to Oliver, you talk to Nicholas, you talk to all the other players that have dealt with them, how humble they are and how, again, they don't act like they're above anyone. It, they welcome everyone in. So that in, in that sense, they were just great role models for the organization, for that city. It, it is a shame that they didn't win that cup to sort of cement their place, but... Again, I, I do believe the Sedin brothers deserve an awful lot of respect, and I'm certain they'll both be in the Hall of Fame. They're the, the type of players that aren't going to go out there and try to pad their stats or vocalize how great they are. So mm-hmm. any credit they get is 100% earned because people actually it's, – it's their, their impact on the game is almost subtle in some ways, especially now that they're on such a bad team. I can't help but wonder where they rank 
among fans in Sweden. You know what I mean? Like like Peter Forsberg is is the all time great and, and deservedly and so. And Nick Lidstrom, yeah. But I mean the Sedins, like they've gotta be they've gotta be pretty high up on that list in a nation that I, my impression of Sweden is they just play hockey hundred percent of the time. And and the Sedins have to be up there in the top five or six. I mean they have, I think Sebastian Norton's probably a better person to kind of gauge where what Sweden we feels like than I, than I do. We should we could have them on after their last game. That's next week. People talking well, not that's we can't yeah. because leftovers can't make the, the board work. Right, no. leftovers, defend yourself. Turn on your mic and defend yourself. We have some technical difficulties with the phone call feature of the program. I'm sorry. <laughs> and apparently they're going to be permanent. Uh, so, but... Uh, well, I mean, here, they had, would say something about Vikings and then he would Something about so that. But, I mean, the Sedins had, they had longevity. They, they had big moments. They've had big seasons. They've won awards. I mean, there, there's a lot of things. I mean, I don't know if they're going to be looked on as fondly as, as a Peter Forsberg or a Nick Lidstrom, but... They have one cup. Well, yeah. And also, I mean, we're all-time type players. Uh, but I don't know how you look at the Sedins and think anything other than they were excellent almost every season of their career. Hall so, of Famers? Oh, I, I, there's no I, question. I think so. Here, here's, here's, here's the all-time Swedish stat leaders. Where do you think Henrik and Daniel rank without looking? Nice penguin shirt, by the way. Thank you. Slightly confused on that, but not so much. I've got more in the car. Um... You're saying all-time total points? Swedish point producers. Where do you think Henrik and Daniel rank? Uh, they've got to be both in the top seven, I would say. I said both in the top five. They're both in the top five. They're four and five. So we were both right. Matt Sundin is number right, one. Though. Matt Sundin, number one at 1349. Daniel Alfredson, 1157. Nick Lidstrom, 1142. And then Henrik and Daniel. Uh, sixth is Henrik Zetterberg, who is still playing for the time being. And Peter Forsberg is seventh. But Forsberg missed a lot of he did. time with injuries. Yes, and, and unfortunately, because exactly. he was a remarkable player. Uh, did you see the idea floated out there on Twitter yesterday that you put the Sedins in the Hall of Fame on the same plaque? <laughs> okay. I, I almost feel like they'd be cool with that. If anybody, if anybody ever would, it would be those two. So, well, we talked a lot of Vancouver for a team that's uh, heading the wrong direction fast. <laughs> we talked yeah, a lot of collecting Canucks. points lately, too. It's, it's neck and neck at the bottom of the West now. So they'll play their final home game, the Sedins will, on Thursday night against the uh, Arizona Coyotes. Coyotes. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a nationally televised game in Canada now. It's it's going to be an event. Yeah, suddenly that game means a, a lot more. Uh, let's transition to the New Jersey Devils. There was no segue there at all. Sure there was. How do we get from Sedins to New Jersey? One team's on the way down and one team's on the way up. Corey Schneider. Yes. How do you get from Vancouver to New Jersey? You follow Corey Schneider. Taylor Hall, 39 goals now this season. On a roll. And New Jersey's getting in the playoffs, we agree? Yeah, at this yeah. point, I think Philadelphia's in more danger of falling to Florida. But, again, they're, they're comfortable. But Florida has that one game in hand. And, and if they catch them in points, they'd have more in the ROW column. So Florida would be win great. that tiebreaker. I still fantastic. want to see Florida in. And, by the way, Boston-Tampa Bay is not decided after Tampa nope. came back from the dead and shut out the Bruins. Who And I said this a while ago. The Bruins had to play nine games in the final two weeks. I'm wondering if it's finally catching up to them because they've lost two in a row now. <laughs> we just like sound the alarms if Boston loses two Look in out. a row. Look out. Bruins are going down. I mean, it is a tough schedule, and then they got to, you know, I, I don't know what the playoff schedule is going to look like yet, but you got to roll right into the postseason. The thing for, for Boston, though, if if they can pull this off. Did you just say Boston? For Boston, Boston, didn't you? Sorry, I had a roommate that was from Boston in college. Pock the con and yacht. He punched a hole in the wall uh, after a Red Sox loss and then covered it with a Boston Bruins flag. That was how we... Uh, uh, that sounds about right. The most Boston thing ever. Is that like 
<laughs> yes, that's exactly what the plot line is for Ted 3. Boston closes out with Florida, Ottawa, and Florida, which just makes me feel Poor bad for Florida. Florida. Yeah. Um, if, if the Panthers get in, they've earned their way in because they have to keep playing Boston. But for the Bruins, to Craig's point, you know, you're wearing down here maybe down the stretch, but if they can just get through these three games and win that division, they're going to get New Jersey or, well, they're going to get New Jersey. Philadelphia or Florida. But probably not Florida because they'll have taken Florida. them out. Um, yeah, that's true. Or Columbus true. or Pittsburgh. Well, even if they, I mean. Yeah, that's true. But but not Toronto. Yeah, you're saying if they hang on to the division, right? Yeah. So it's it's just, it's interesting because at this time of year, you start to see teams say, do we, does it really matter if we win the division as opposed to going to the playoffs healthy and rested? In this case, it matters because you don't want to play Toronto in the first round. I don't think you do. I'd rather, again, I'd rather play Philly, Jersey, or Columbus. Yeah, even though Columbus has been hot lately. Wow. I have nothing to add to that. Showstopper. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, I found the teams that Jamie and Craig will not talk about. San Jose, Columbus, I just, Ottawa, I don't know what to say about Columbus. I have, I have nothing to say about Columbus. No, they're I, I don't of, believe I don't believe this run at all. They need to sort of show what it that in the team playoffs is. for once. Yeah, that's exactly right. I have no idea what this team is. But they could, I mean, well, they could have home ice, but I don't, I don't think that matters when you're playing the Penguins. Yeah. Uh, do we want to sprinkle in some listener questions here? We could throughout the unless there's something else on those teams you well, want to talk about. Well, I was just as long as we were looking at the playoff race, the other really the only other team that has a chance to get in from the outside right now is St. Louis, which has not looked very good in its last couple no. outings. Of course, like moments after we published that story. Well, yeah, about how red yeah. hot they've been. They so I believe at the first down. intermission of the Coyotes Blues game, I published the the Craig Morgan story about how how good they've been, and then they proceeded to they've been outscored ten to two since. They yeah. clearly saw that in the locker room and were like, "All right, we're good." Yep. And they've been awful. By the way, I'm okay with this, too. I'd much rather see the Ducks and Avs in the playoffs. Absolutely. I, I don't want to see the Blues in. But the, yeah, they, I mean, the Blues can still get in. They're, in hand and, and they're, they're playing. And only a point back. Black 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 let's, Black Ducks who have no one left. Jonathan Taves is out now, too. So Look at the, uh, the... There's nine teams left, essentially, in the Western Conference. Yes. And five of them have already clinched playoff spots. Vegas has clinched their well, division. Well, Dallas isn't technically dead yet, but, yeah, but, yeah, but they're pretty they much are. dead. They, have two they can only get to 94 points, so... That's weird because they have them as eliminated, but you're right. They technically aren't out yet. Yeah, no, they're, they're not out yet. Wow. They definitely have them listed Unless as there's some Colorado State. Does Colorado play St. Louis? Maybe there's a head-to-head. Yeah, maybe. does Colorado play St. So Louis? Because that might be wrong and maybe not be up to date here. Well, the website I'm on has been known to be wrong about hockey um, at least 75% of the yeah, time. Yeah, in fact, Colorado and St. Louis finished with each other last That's game why. of the season. Okay. So there you go. Yeah, so Dallas is officially out. So there's nine, nine teams. Uh, of these nine teams, which one has impressed you the most? I guess you're just both going to say Vegas, so whatever. And which one uh, maybe is, is underachieving, even though they are still in playoff contention? From where you thought they would be at the start of the year. Well, Who uh, are we talking about now? Yeah, There's it's just the nine teams I, I, left in the West. Better. Nine teams left. There's nine teams left in the West. Okay. okay. Both of you need to listen. Of the nine teams, are this for the season? Yes. Again, ask your question better. Well, you keep interrupting me. Chris, can you help me out here? Do you want me to answer your question? No. No, I don't want to. Please. I don't care about those No, I want you to answer the question. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. Chris got it. That's the answer. If it's not Vegas, if it's not Vegas, it's Winnipeg. Chris, you know what? You can take Jamie's seat at the table, but you also need to still produce, otherwise nobody will hear this if Jamie's producing. I feel like when Chris answers, we should just move on. All right, that's fine. The question has been answered. Chris has spoken. The answer is Winnipeg. And by, Say, the, by the way, the thing I've been beating on the – I pounded my fist on the table in the offseason was about they got, if they got good goaltending, they would – on the table. Yes. Yes, okay. If they, if, they, if they got good goaltending, they would be a cup contender. And guess what? What? They're a cup Connor contender. Vezina <laughs> Trophy candidate. Then they signed Steve Mason and went, well, never mind. They <laughs> clearly didn't hear you, but they're going to make the playoffs anyway. Uh, over in the East – who has impressed you the most and been the biggest disappointment? I know Jamie is especially. I didn't even, I didn't even get Buffalo. the biggest disappointment in the West. He didn't even give us that impressed opportunity. He did give you the opportunity. Boston. 
Uh, yeah, that has to be the most. I think they're ahead of schedule. Uh, yeah, way ahead of schedule. They yeah. might be Boston. the best team in hockey. Jersey too is in contention. I didn't think yeah. much of them this yeah. year coming into the year. Disappointing. Um, yeah. Well, disappointing. I, I think for the uh, honest, it's got to be the Rangers, right? It's got to no, be the Rangers. But look at it; they were good. No, it's the island. They threw in the towel early this season. It's so. the Islanders for not resigning John that, Tavares. It's April now. Yeah, I would say that. That's my answer. It's Tavares. No, Matthew Barzal has eighty-one points. Sixty assists. We'll see how good he is without John Tavares in the lineup, though. No, they're not going to lose they're not, John right? Tavares. Well, he's, he looks like he's going to market now. No, they're going to lose him then. Sorry, <sighs> Brooklyn. Yeah. I don't know. I hate it when I have to apologize to all of Brooklyn on the show. Brooklyn, for, for the time being. Yeah. Brooklyn. Here, here's a couple questions that I'm going to throw at you, okay? This one comes from Robert on Twitter. Hi, Robert. Which team was the most disappointing this year, Dallas or Calgary or other? Ooh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll start with this one. Okay. Um, my answer is going to be Calgary of yeah, the two. You understand Robert's two questions, apparently. Just uh, I do because he asked them properly. Oh. Uh, it's Calgary because I think that team, uh, I'm, I'm going to be on brand here, um, their nonlinear progression is now becoming a problem. This team should. <laughs> Sounds like something you say to somebody when you're breaking up with them. I'm our sorry. Non, our non-linear relationship uh, progression. No, uh, it's not your non-linear progression. It's, it's, it's mine. mine. This team should be better than it is, and it's not. And, and yeah. I'm. It's fixable. It's not. Again, they're not Edmonton. I mean, the, the other team in that province has a lot, a lot worse issues they have to deal with. <laughs> but this should be a team that's not around NHL 500 anymore. Like they, at some point, they need to be better. They have too many high, highly talented players on that blue line. They have uh, an all-world player up front in Johnny Goudreau. They need to be better. This team should be and a. Sean Monahan. This team should be a second round of the playoffs are a given type team, and they can't even get in right now. I tend to agree with that, especially in the Pacific. They 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 could easily be the class of the Pacific this year with with Monahan and Goudreau and that defense. And you add Mike Smith. I mean, when they added Mike Smith, all of us. I'll just speak for all of us. Uh, you couldn't help but think back to when the Coyotes were in the playoffs with him behind a pretty good defense, and he just took over. And if you're Calgary, just get in, and you have a chance to maybe make a run, like Jamie said, at least to the second round in the Pacific. You're playing L.A. or San Jose or Vegas or whoever in the first round. And, they, I mean, they've been out for two weeks now. Well, allow me to retort. Ooh. Let me pick the Dallas Stars because of all the things they did in the offseason, including adding Alex Radulov, Mark Mathot, they, Martin Hansel, of course, who... We don't even know if he's going to play again. Uh, they made a lot of moves, and this this was a team when it was at its best had a really high end season where they won the division. Calgary's never been there. Calgary's never been anything more than oh look at that surprising team that one year, and they haven't gotten in, which makes me wonder if there's something deeper wrong with Calgary. I mean, we we can talk about the forward depth; that's an issue there, but their blue line hasn't performed up to its capabilities either, and that's a concern. And I'm not saying I'm on, entirely on board here. I'm just taking devil's advocate position here. And it, Dallas is an interesting case, too, because they have made moves that we thought would make that team better. Yeah. Like, when we looked at those moves on paper, we said, they're getting better, yet they haven't gotten better. Does anybody remember that Calgary was in the playoffs last year? I mean, briefly. They didn't win a game. Yeah. They were swept by Anaheim, and it was unlike when Winnipeg got swept by Anaheim, and it was the most competitive sweep ever. The most competitive sweep of all time. The most forgettable sweep of all time. I've actually seen some talk of Ken Hitchcock as a Coach of the Year candidate because he's brought their goals against 
down, but it's because it's Ben Bishop's what? net instead of yeah, they Lettinen got, and they got Auntie Niemi. And they're playing a different system. I, I, no way. Also, sidebar. This team's a disappointment. Auntie Niemi might be the worst goaltender in hockey right now. Isn't that crazy? He it's, won a cup. I, I, look at what he's doing. Look at what he is not doing in Montreal. Well, it just shows how how crazy what Carey Price was doing in Montreal was because they have depleted their roster not on an Edmonton Oilers type level, but. They really haven't done a whole lot with that team. But I want to go back to Ken Hitchcock for a second because I'm looking at Robert's question, who's more of a disappointment, Calgary or Dallas? That's typically where you find teams that get rid of their coaches. I'm assuming Ken Hitchcock is not on the hot seat if he's a Jack Adams candidate. But, well, uh, in some circles, but I don't agree he's a Jack Adams candidate. But yet yet another major change that Dallas made in the offseason to try and take a step forward in addition to the some good players that they added. Alex Radulov was... One of the marquee free agents. And oh, he's wait, been good. Was that a trade or a free agency? I'm not even remembering now. For it was free agency. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So with all those moves and bringing Ken Hitchcock in, I think there were there was the expectation that Dallas wouldn't just get into the playoffs. I think there was the expectation that they could win this division or at least be in contention for the division title, and they're not making the playoffs. Uh, more questions. Does okay. Dave Tippett coach next year? Well... We all seem to think if we had to guess, if he does wants coach, to, it's, it's Calgary. Oh, that's boy. my that's my answer. If he wants to, Calgary could be an option. I, I think Glenn Gullitson's in serious trouble because yeah. of all the stuff that Jamie just threw out about Calgary. But, Jamie and, just and, got Glenn Gullitson fired. There's a, well, there's a there. If you talk to the people in that organization, they're just as disappointed with their blue line as they are with the mm-hmm. forwards. That, that that's a when you look at the names on that blue line. That should be one of the top five blue lines in the NHL, and they haven't played like it. Yeah, and, and like when I look at coaching, I, if I'm not there every day, I'm not in the locker room, I, I can't speak to how he can motivate players and all the other stuff. So from the outside perspective, the only way I can kind of evaluate a coach is I look at their talent level on paper, and I look at what I see on a nightly basis, and do a, is there a disconnect there, it, whether it's it, it, positively or negatively? And I think that's where I can try to at least, on from an outsider's perspective, semi-accurately analyze a coach's job, whether that's fair or unfair. That's a team I look at that has more talent than the final product I'm getting, which then leads me to wondering if there's a change needed at that coaching position. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the, the sort of conversation we've had all season of there's there's always coaches that get let go in the off season, and so many coaches in the NHL just started their job like this year or last year. So you kind of feel like the pool of potential coaching changes is, is pretty small. And unfortunately for Glenn Gullitson, he fits right in it for what Jamie just said. And the other thing is, when you have a disappointing season like this, you know, you're going to look typically, and they've, Calgary said there's going to be changes. You look and you're like, is it the GM or is it the coach? I don't and, think it's the GM. And, and look at the lineup that Brad Tree Living built. They're at least going, I would think, I would think, they're at least going to say, he's put together a pretty good lineup. Let's see what this lineup could do with a different coach before we turn on our GM. A stat on this, as, as long as you mentioned the lack of coaching changes, the last time... An NHL season pass without a single coach getting fired came in 1966-67, the final year of the so-called original six. You're saying during the season or counting the offseason? Like if Gullitson gets fired yeah, in a month, yeah, yeah, yeah. month. Okay. Yeah, so, and I'm expecting something to happen in the offseason. Oh, just, yeah, yeah. It's Some, somebody, somebody that we've gotten through an entire season without anybody being canned. I didn't expect that. Yeah, that is, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Uh, final question here, and we've got more later on in the show, but uh, this one is directed towards Jamie, which makes me think Jamie sent it in himself. Which Coyotes player or players 
fail, Jamie, because they didn't have positive linear progression this season. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is an interesting one. By the way, I love the question. Uh, I love how my branding is now non-linear progression. I'll uh, put that on a T-shirt or something. Is that really what you want to be associated with? Yeah. Okay. It's the best I can do. You know, right. I'm realistic about where my ceiling is. That's fair. Uh, the well, ceiling is the roof, according to Michael Jordan. The ceiling is the roof. Uh, up until about two weeks ago, I think the clear answer was Max Domi. Uh, and it still might be. It, it's very... The young guys have come around a little bit in the last couple months, so I, I don't really feel anybody is now significantly behind where they were. So if, if I had to pick an answer, because I'm going to, to pick one, I would say the one that has progressed the least that I thought would have a better season would still be Max Domi for me, uh, just because I think that he does scratch first-line potential. I still believe he can be that type of a player, and I believe that two years ago when, in his rookie season, and I believe that going into last year. And he's somebody now that I feel like is – he still has that potential. By no means am I or the Coyotes giving up on him, but – I, I'm starting to wonder if he's going to take that next step or if we're looking at somebody that's going to be a perennial middle six forward. He is third on the team of points, but I get what the, you're saying. Career had 35 uh, assists as of last night, yeah. Yeah. So, but the nine goals are, you got to score more. Than and there's there's and not I think a lot of will. young players that have gone backwards this year. I mean, no. not still on the team. And that's why, and that's why I say that. It's amazing how that, that picture has changed since early in the season where, yes. you, where you didn't see much progress from a lot of the young players. But now when you look at it, even Dylan Strome, segue alert, even Dylan Strome mm-hmm. is producing since his recall. Wait, before you get to Strome. Okay. Um, and this is one of my favorite players on the Coyotes, and I still think he's going to be there once he gets going, their perennial top goal scorer, depending who they add in the offseason. But are we worried that Brendan Perlini hasn't done a whole lot in the second half of the yeah. season? Yeah, and he would be my other guy that I look at and I say, even though he has 17 goals this year, his goals per game have dropped from season to season. Uh, again, it's he's two seasons. It's not like I'm freaking out about yeah. it. But he's got 17 goals too. So yeah, so like it's you would like to see him in the, around 20 or so this year. So yeah. I don't think these guys are any uh, that far off pace. Yeah, I'm not. I, I 100% agree with you. If you're going to have around 20 goals in your first or second year, then that's fine. But he only has three since January, and like we saw, we saw this with Keller. He had a great. Uh, October, and then he was basically non-existent for four months, and then he closed out strong. Right. It, it seems like Perlini, stats-wise, has trailed off in February and March, and he's not going to get – he doesn't have any more months this season to sort of turn it around. Right. I'm, I'm not Christian worried about Fisher, it. too, by the way, his first goal in 31 games last night. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's get to Strom now. Seven points in the eight games since the call-up. What are we reading into this, other than I was extremely right that they needed to call him up for the end of the season to see what he could do? You, you you did that? Oh, I I was the one banging the table over yeah, here. So when you saying, were I, done I, I left over thinking we need to go back. Need to go back a few podcasts to remember what, what word for word I said. About we may have all been on the same page. I just couldn't hear you guys because the table banging was so loud. But to me, this recall was, in many ways, okay. Let's take a look at Dylan Stroman. If he doesn't show something, he might be part of a trade yeah. package this summer. But the fact that he has shown some productivity, which is always good in the NHL, is encouraging. I would like to see a larger sample size still, but it gives you something to build on this summer and going into next season. Now, I don't know where he slots. There are still deficiencies in his game that Rick Taka just talked about last week, particularly on the defensive side. But Just turn 21. Yeah, he's producing. He is producing, and he said there are things that he does offensively that are at the very elite level of the NHL. He said one of the things that he pointed out is 
he does as good a job as anyone I've seen finding the trailer. Mm-hmm. So good. You want a playmaker who can do that, who has that type of vision. So keep building on that. But it is nice to finally say that there are some encouraging signs from Dylan Strom because these are the first ones we've had. The, the two things that I would just add to that, with Strom, he's, he's not – like I know if, if you're just casually watching, he's not flashy. But – and I said this on the postgame show last night. I don't really care if you're flashy. I want consistent production. And I'm not saying Dylan Strom can do what he's done with the seven points every eight games for his entire career. That would be remarkable. But this is what he did in junior and in the AHL this year with Tucson. Not necessarily flashy, but consistently finds ways to put up points to the point where you realize it's not luck or the puck just following him or whatever. It's it's him knowing where to be. Yep. I talked to him off the ice in the first intermission of their last home game when he, um, he set up, I forget whose goal it was now. It was the game where he had three assists. And he basically described exactly what Craig just said. He saw Perlini going to the net out of the corner of his eye, and it wasn't like, okay, i got to get Perlini the puck. His immediate thought was, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but his immediate thought was that means he's pulling guys off the yes, back he's end. he's creating space. And, and, we can, and that's, that's, how, mm-hmm. that's how he instinctually plays hockey, and he was able to articulate it pretty well as well. But you see why, he's, uh, why he can be effective without being flashy. Yeah, I, I don't think many of us were worried about what he would do with the puck on his stick. I think the concerns still are, what is he going to do defensively? Can he skate in transition? I mean, all those things are still there. It's still encouraging to see him have success. I do wonder if that long-term success will end up being on the wing more than it's going to be at center, despite how desperately the Coyotes need another center on that team. But again, it, it, you have to be encouraged. I'm not over... Like, I'm not looking too much into it. I'm not ready to say that next year he's going to be their number two center and everything is is kumbaya. I'm not ready to do that yet, but I'm encouraged by what I've seen so far. It raises an interesting question, though, when you go into the summer. When you when you look at what the Coyotes need now, and, the, and let's make a couple assumptions here. Let's let's assume that they re-sign Antti Ranta and that they are able to get an extension done for Oliver ekman Larson. Okay. So Huge, hugely important on both fronts. Big assumptions, obviously, but, you know, talks are going, talks are progressing, I would say, with Antti Ranta. And Oliver will have to wait. They can't do anything until the summer. But if you can keep your blue line intact, you're pretty happy with that. And, yet, and by the way, you might want to bring back Kevin Connaughton, who just keeps scoring lately. And Ten goals since February yeah. 1st. Be a, a nice number six defenseman on your team. Bobby Orr, Kevin Connaughton. Uh, so if you keep your blue line intact, you've got your goaltending set. you got to look to the forward group to see where your needs still are. I still think they need more scoring on the wing. But then when you look at the center position, what do you do about Dylan Strom? Do you say we still need a center? And like Jamie says, consider moving Strom to the wing where he can still produce points for you. What What's your thinking there when, when you're trying to add to this forward group and improve it to get to a point where you're contending for a playoff spot? And I think particularly for the realistic options. I know, I know we've, you know we've waxed poetic about John Tavares and, and that kind of thing. The, the odds of that happening for the Coyotes are extremely slim. I would just and by repeat, the way, if they get John Tavares, they're definitely a playoff team oh, next year. But also, I'm there you, with you. also, it doesn't. If you get John Tavares, it you 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 do whatever you need to with Strom. You, moving Strom to a wing does not prevent you from signing John Tavares. Like you don't say, well, I don't. No, eh, no, no, you know. But if we, if we signed, and then we'd have to move this guy, so we're not no, doing no. it. That's not happening. The only thing that would prevent them from signing John Tavares is John Tavares. Yeah, so trade anything. the reality is, so you're looking at those, do you go out and find a number two or number three center? How much money do you spend to find that? Uh, to me, I think it's more likely that Strom gets used as kind of the pivot piece. If they can't get that, another second line center, another Stepan type player 
that it goes, well, we have Strom, so he's going to open the season at center. We like what we have down the middle. But I don't think he's actually going to prevent them from going out and getting somebody that they would think is going to improve the team. No, and to Craig's point, they, they still need more scoring up front. You've got this defense, assuming you keep Oliver ekman Larson, who is still your clear-cut number one. And Craig was telling me the other night, you start to look at his analytics and – not just in the second half, right, Craig? Like over the course of the year, he's up there with Norris but, candidates. Well, it's, it's really the over half. the course of the entire season, but his second half has really brought yes. him there. When you start looking at his underlying numbers now, yeah, they're, they are elite. They are among the Norris Trophy leaders right now. So that's encouraging, but you need to keep him. And again, the noise about the Coyotes not keeping Oliver ekman Larson has never come from John Chaika. That's always been various media outlets, many of which I want— Hopkins. Want him to play for the team LOL. they cover. Yes. <laughs> LOL, not OEL. But yeah. you need, you, you're going to need more offensive production. Like the Coyotes' leading goal scorer right now is 23 goals. You look at a team like Tampa, they have six guys with more than 20 goals. And, and I understand that's Tampa and that's the extreme, but you can't have your leading goal scorer score 23 goals in today's NHL. That's too much pressure on your blue line and goaltending. No, not unless you have unbelievable depth where you have. Uh, five or six guys in yeah, that exactly. 18 to 22 range. Then at that point, you might be able to get away with it. But otherwise, no, you can't. You have to You have to score nowadays. We've got uh, more Coyotes questions, so we'll get to them towards the end of the show so we don't just go all Coyotes early. Let's talk about William Carlson and the fact that he's the greatest player ever. Yeah. Like, this is what. unreal. Is, is this one of the most un, was most remarkable 40-goal campaigns since Chichu? Yeah. Somebody just completely out of nowhere. Post-Chichu? Is that what we're calling yeah, this? Yeah, the post-Chichu era. I mean, what, he had 25 points <laughs> last he, he year? He never scored above single digits before this year. And and look, you you could you can say, well, we projected him as being better than that with greater opportunity. There's sure, no way you projected him this. as a 40-goal scorer. No. Oh, Chris wants to weigh in here. Oh. Hello, he, Chris. He he has, has, if you just keep your mic on, you don't have to make the whole show pause for you to talk. He has a 727% increase in his goals per game from last season. Wow, look at that. And, and, you know, Jamie Math. shot you down pre-show, and, we, and Chris was like, hey, I can look up stats for you guys. And Jamie's response immediately was, we don't want your help. I, I, I still agree. Have you seen – this is completely off topic, but have you seen Duncan Keith's shooting percentage this year? This was yeah. pointed out to me as yeah, yeah. It's bad. It's Mark Lazarus has been t- tweeting about it all season. 0.5%. It's not great. That's bad luck at a certain point. Oh, yeah. it's bad luck right now. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 not, it's not going to – that's certain it's not point is right now is yes. what Jamie's saying. We yes. have attained that point. Also, brought, Max Max brought Domi's you two together been, on that. Max Domi's also been kind of hurt by poor shooting percentage. Yeah, but yeah. he's Duncan Keith's going to set an NHL record for futility in terms of that many shots. So back to William Carlson. How about trying a between the legs <laughs> shot when in a tied two two shorthanded in a game that's. Both teams are important. Too. Yeah, it was still important to Vegas and, and scoring. That was the Pacific convert. Division clinching goal. Yeah, so fitting. Right. Yeah. I mean, with the way Vegas' season has gone, they have to they have to to clinch the division on what I would say is the goal of the year. Although I, I never bring up the Penguins on the show anymore because I don't want to be the Penguin guy. You're just wearing a Penguin shirt, but, but I don't you know. I don't verbally bring them up. Okay. The goal that Crosby scored against New Jersey a couple okay. nights earlier, I've never seen that. I mean, have you? I would still say Carlson's goal is cooler because he had to mentally go in there and and he had you don't accidentally score the goal that Carlson scored. Crosby scores all of his goals when the puck's three feet off the ice now for some reason. I think Chris would like to weigh in here. Again. The goal against New Jersey I feel was like ridiculous. I'm introdu- introducing you every time. Didn't he do it like a week prior? But the one the week prior against Montreal, he stick handled the puck in the air like he was playing lacrosse and then knocked it in. The New Jersey one, he shot it off the post and as he was skating, knocked it in. And New Jersey's goalie, I think it was Kincaid, it had to be that night, just looked so deflated. But that was a big game. I mean, 
Pittsburgh is, was not a lock to make the playoffs at that point. I don't know. We saw the two goals of the year in a span of about 72 hours. And Carlson's goal. It was ridiculous. He's got 43 To me, now. that's the goal of the year. Especially because, as Jamie just said, it, it clinched the division. That goal clinched the division. And it was so fitting. It was so poetic. That would be him that would do it. I wrote Good stuff. about this two years ago on FanRag Sports. So I would encourage you to go back and read it because it's very timely. Just search for it for a couple hours. But when we were talking about teams that uh, that were going to have to lose key players in the expansion draft, you could tell Columbus a year ahead of the expansion draft was going to get hit the hardest, and it was probably going to be William Carlson. Carlson yeah, we talked about it a lot. Yeah. I think we came up with a faux trade scenario where the Coyotes got Carlson. That would have been nice, Yeah, uh, as it turns out. But, um, but that was even with him at the time only scoring nine goals and having 11 assists for Columbus. You mm. knew he was supposed to be good. He had a, a great pedigree, but not like this. Yeah, you throw your hands up if you're Columbus. Like, I, that was the guy that most people would have left exposed anyway. You had no way of knowing this was coming. Sometimes you just throw your hands up and say, this yeah. things come out of nowhere. I don't, yeah. I don't blame anybody in Columbus no, for that. No, they, they like, had no options. If you, wanna, stuck. if you want to look at blame, look at Florida a little more for what they well, did. Yeah. They could have managed that better. But that's what I'm saying. Columbus ne- didn't no. want to let Carlson go. They, they wanted to keep him. But when you looked at guys they had to keep because yeah. they had no movements and yeah, the other guys sense. they had to keep, they had no choice. And, and you knew it a year out. I, did, also, I didn't see any of this because I thought the Coyotes were going to be in Vegas because I was just reading the New York Post. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so then they could have traded William Carlson to the Coyotes. And well, he would have played It would have worked on two, yeah. two fronts. That's also, great. Columbus just got an 80-point season from Artemi Panarin, so I yeah, think he's okay. they're okay. Brandon Saad, did remember, you see Portsline, by the way, yeah. trolling the Blackhawks last night? He sent that quote out from Tortorella on how Panarin, you know, Saad was a good player, but he doesn't have that elite playmaking skill, and then he just hashtagged the Blackhawks. That's so good. That's so good. So yeah. much so much for that Panarin can't play without Kane narrative that started Stan to Bowman, up Stan Bowman, Stan Bowman, Stan Bowman. Yeah, Get him out. Uh, that, Get him out, Chicago. He's got to go. Do uh, you think this deal. is the final straw? I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. Again, I've, I've said this a number of times, Scotty Bowman has a lot of influence in that organization. But if they're looking at it logically... You got to look at the GM. Again, if you're going to make a change, it's got to be the GM. That's what we talked about. A or lot. you can clean house. Yeah, you can you can go with everybody, but I also fear like a lot of times, coach gets to be the one that goes first. Yep, it's the first 80 point campaign in Columbus Blue Jackets history. How is that even possible? Because Rick Nash is overrated. Yeah, but he was putting up 40 goal seasons for a while there. It really vanishes in the playoffs. That was, that was, that was my, we did do a podcast at the time when that was when that was happening, but that would have been what I was known for before nonlinear progression. What? Trashing Rick Nash is being overrated. Well, you, a good player. for trashing a lot of things. Yeah. Teams, leftovers. People. Leftovers. Yeah. Would you say leftovers is the Rick Nash of this show? He's a Chiarelli of this show. Oh. Okay. Wow. That's Threw up his hands. Yeah. Hey, you just threw up. Chris is not just weighing. He's not weighing in. He's, 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 he's I don't know to why you would have. He's reluctant to, yeah. to speak. That's totally This is your idea, Craig. And provoked. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see, and now you guys have both stopped talking. It's like a trial balloon, Chris, so you need to yeah. you need to bring something to the show. He's never done well on tests. No, you don't. Again, back to us. why he's disappointing his parents. If I asked you both <laughs> wow. to um, to guess how many players in the NHL broke the 80-point the barrier last year, so basically a point last per game year. on average, uh, how many do you think hit that? 25. I was going to, yeah, I'd say around that, maybe 20. Seven. Seven? Really? What? Seven last year. Eighty? Yes. Yeah. Mark Shifley at 82, Marshawn 85, wow. Kucherov 85, yeah. Baxter 86, Kane 89, Crosby 89, McDavid 100. So that's last year. That was okay. a boring season. 
That was almost like the Jamie Ben leads the league with 91 oh, point season. That it's a boring was the worst season. Yeah, the pe- Penguins won the cup. It was a boring season. Well, the, the playoffs were fantastic. Uh, this was year, it this year is it closer to 25? Just... We're already at 19. Panarin wow. was the 19th, but we've also got Kuznetsov and Carlson each who have 70. Or Kuznetsov is 79. Carlson is 78. Pasternak is 78. We could see three, maybe three, even four, four, five, six more right, guys so get there. recency bias by me. There you go. But I mean, scoring is considerably up. At least yes. At least. Juiced pucks. Yay. It's being confined to certain individuals or something. I don't know. We're going to have a couple guys break 100 this year. That's good. Like McDavid Home runs are back. Goals are back. What a great time to be a sports fan. We could Everybody's see. shooting threes. We've got all that. offense all the time. Yeah, we've got seven guys with 90 plus points this year. Okay, Blake Sons and Diamondbacks all won on the same night for the first time in like five years. I have to yeah. say, I'm surprised it was even that. It wasn't longer. <laughs> April of 2013. But I mean, what do you think of that? We've, I, we've legitimately. Probably got we can go around town and get free stuff. All day. Like we should we should eat for free all day. Yeah. We should. Yeah. Seven players with ninety points already, and Wheeler and Kessel and Crosby are all close to, to doing it Wheeler. as well. By the way, Blake Wheeler, look. Again, the Coyotes would look different. Yeah. If those players had played, they wouldn't have been drafted in the same players. But man, if Blake Wheeler were on this team, he's very good. If just Blake Wheeler were on this team, that's all. That's not even Kyle. That's Turs. another Shirelli trade. Not for the Coyotes, obviously, Coyotes, but like, yeah. just in general. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just blaming every bad trade on. on there are a lot of them. But seriously, like I know you've brought this up several times, but imagine Turris and Wheeler on this yeah. team with these players. Uh, they don't need anything then. Yes, they're in, they're in a very they're in very good shape. Even though Turris is never going to be the number one center no. people thought he was when they took him third overall, but, no, but if you had Wheeler, he is still Devon, a legitimate Turris, top six center. Strom, Dvorak, but again, you, you, the, <laughs> sabotage the, my mic. The Coyotes' model needs to be apart. needs to be Nashville's model. Yeah. They yeah. can replicate what Nashville's done. I don't. I think Nashville's high, a little bit higher end on their blue line than even Coyotes' potential is going Nashville's to be. Nashville's also the best that blue team line is conference. a world. Yeah, it is. It's the best in the league. But, but Ryan Johansson right. as your one, Kyle Turris as your two, you can replicate that. Have top six centers. If you, you're not going to get that elite guy, make sure you have depth up the middle. And they, they're one player away from that. Yeah. Or, you know, if, if Dylan Strom continues this trajectory, I don't know. Maybe they're there. Can but we, we're a long um, way from saying that. Well, you just said it, so we're not that long away from that. That's true. Um, here, I've got the playoff matchups. I texted them to myself because I knew neither one of you would Did do they it. change five times after you sent this to us? They, they basically did. So this is what we, uh, we have. We've got um, in the East, at the moment, when there's a week left in the – well, there's a week until the playoffs start. There's only a couple of days left in the season. Everybody's got like three or two or three games, right? Nobody mm-hmm. has four? Yeah. Correct. At this exact moment, we have – Boston, Philadelphia, but Tampa. It is Boston again. Boston. Boston. I really I, must, I wonder if I was like that before. Boston and Philadelphia would be fun. Yeah, it would. Yes. Uh, fun, physical. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay, Toronto, which it would be the Which best. is the series. Like, that's the drop everything you're doing and watch that. Yep. Literally, drop whatever you're yes. carrying, and if it breaks, just move on with your life. Uh, but either way, whoever Toronto plays in the first round is going to be the best series. Yeah, that's going to be a good series. Boston or Tampa. Uh, Capitals, Devils. Which I think would be the worst series, probably. Um, I, yeah. I maybe New Jersey makes that oddly compelling, and we get like Game Six, and Capitals fans are freaking like out. Like Pittsburgh, Columbus will be good, but like that's boring. I didn't even read that one yet. Uh, yeah, but don't jump. It's, it's boring. Okay. Now here's the third, the, the fourth one: Pittsburgh and Columbus. <gasps> oh, huh. yeah, that's oh, boring. Yeah, okay, that actually might be a good series, but that's no. That's, don't, you hate don't, Columbus so much. It's just, it's just they bore me. Don't give them. They're, that. they're, they're the they're Eastern Minnesota. <laughs> like they're just they're there. I can appreciate how, Eastern Minnesota. I, I, I can appreciate how I can appreciate how good their team is, but they just do absolutely nothing for me. Well, Columbus, they don't win in the playoffs. Columbus is a neat team, aren't they? Neat. They're neat. They're neat. 
I think you guys are underestimating Columbus. Okay, go ahead. And it'll probably come back to bite me somehow. I'll 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 be happy to watch. I'll be happy if they knock Panarin Panarin's play. out of the first round. I'll watch Artemi Panarin play. I love watching him play. I liked him better when he was in a blackout uniform. But although you know, we're not that far why away, you want to keep a talent like that. Also, not that far away from a Washington Pittsburgh first round. So, all right, like that's that's that could happen that's to the West. Uh, Nashville, Colorado. Yeah, that's going to be a sweep. Yeah, nah. Colorado. I, I will would enjoy get a game. watching. Nate get a game. Okay, I will enjoy watching Nate McKinnon put up three point games in which the Avs lose by four. That's very possible. Uh, Winnipeg, Minnesota. Not yeah, that's going to be a sweep. I, I, I don't know if there is a low enough TV network NBC can put that one on. Oh, by the way, Suter's out. Suter's out for that. Oh, yeah. Is there like a – they yeah. could put that on C-SPAN. They could put still photos of the games on C-SPAN. <laughs> and you wouldn't even be able to tell the difference that's of fantastic. Minnesota. That's fantastic. Uh, Vegas-Anaheim, that's a series. Uh, yeah. That'll be fun. That'll be from a hockey perspective. That's going to be a good series. So I, I don't think know that's what's a happen tough that matchup for Vegas. Yeah. You say hockey the way I say Boston. Hockey. Hockey. That's a tough San Jose, LA is always a, a bloodbath. That's always that's always a fun first yeah. round matchup. Yeah, you guys skipped ahead again. The fourth matchup will be San Jose and LA. <gasps> yes. All right. Good. That is that's always a great matchup, and uh, it's exactly what you guys both just said. And you, nobody, you, you required to read all of the pairings. Yeah. What to say? Is it, is it like your contract? Yeah. Let's yeah. have some some structure here. Okay. All right. Us. Keep structure. Guys together much longer here. This is out of control. Uh, do we want to get into some of these awards, or do you want more listener I, questions? Let's go to the listener questions yes. and finish with the awards. Okay. So additional listener questions. Okay. Here's one that I'm guessing was sparked by last night's contest. Chris, Chris answers all the questions, by the way, so go ahead. Well, this one's from Michael on Michael. Twitter. What are the Coyotes going to do about their star players getting roughed up and run at? <laughs> they employ Zach Ronaldo and Nick Cousins. Nick <laughs> Cousins scores goals, though. That's I was, nice. I don't know that I want Nick Cousins going into those scraps, but I mean, you got Luke Shen on the ice, too. That's so true. You've got the dancing bear. So It's a great nickname. Or just Shenner. Sh- Shenner. Oh, yeah. The yeah, I, I prefer yeah. the dancing bear. That was a great story, by the way, by Thank Craig you. Morgan. I don't, I, that, was, that's a, that was a weird play. Stinky. How about Richardson pulling the lid off that? That was hysterical. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason uh, Christian Fisher didn't want that name out there. <laughs> yeah, but... Of, of all the guys to go to, Brad Richardson is the guy. Yes. Oh, absolutely. He's hysterical. He, he would give him up. Um, I, I mean, what, what do you do? You have Zach Ronaldo. This yeah. Look, I'm, I'm sure this is coming up because of the Jacob Chickren play last night that we haven't is, talked about Which is an odd play. Like, yeah. I just it, The whole thing about it is, is strange. Not, Michael Foley said not, not that kind yeah. of player, but it was such a senseless play. There was no need for what yeah. he did. Like, yeah. he clear, he's clearly trying to take him off his feet. Like, From plain behind. as day obvious. Yeah, plain yeah. as day obvious for reasons I don't understand. But it's also a weird, like... You look at the hit and you say it doesn't look initially as if it's that bad in terms of in terms of being injured, mm. but then you like watch his leg bend and yeah. it, it, it was a strange play. It was, it was unnecessary, which is ultimately you made it you made an illegal move and an unnecessary play, and a guy got hurt. That spells trouble. Well, and I mean, if you want to, we don't know the extent of Jacob Chikrin's injury, but this is a guy that had to fight back from a real tough injury all of last offseason and through the first half of this season, and he did it, and he recovered quicker than I think anybody else on the planet would have. You, you hope it's not – I don't think it's a similar injury, but you just you don't want to see Jacob Chikrin writhing in pain on the ice no. with a lower body injury. To Jamie's point, on a play that absolutely could have been avoided, it's not like he was on a breakaway and – Michael Froelich had to drag him down from behind to prevent a goal. And his skate got caught or something. Yeah. It was, it, they were behind the Coyotes' goal. And mm-hmm. Froelich, for whatever reason, and Craig's right, he's not a dirty player, but he stuck his leg out and just took him out from behind. His knee bends weird, and then he gets a knee to the head, yeah. too. 
Hmm. So just, just a, it was a strange play all around. Obviously, we're probably a good chance that's the last we've seen of him this year. But we've also but seen. We've imagine you don't want to rush him back with. No, there's no. Point. I mean, there's, they're not exactly playing for anything. We've uh, we've seen teams take a run at Oliver Ekman Larson though too, and we saw this fairly recently where OEL essentially had to just defend himself. Do they yes. add more physical players this off season? Is there really room for that? I don't. I don't know if they're they're skillful enough to do that. That's the problem. It's one thing if you're you have so much talent that you really you don't you don't use your fourth line left winger that much that you're able to put somebody there. I don't think the Coyotes are in a position where they can afford to give up any spots to put players, to put frankly goons out there. You need what you need is like a big physical power forward that can also score, but will throw his weight around. Well, I mean, and, it, and when you're looking at possibilities, maybe Lawson Krause is with the team next year. He yeah. does have the nickname the Sheriff, which is yeah. a good nickname by it the is, way. Yeah. Christian Fisher is a big guy, so yeah. he could certainly fill that role. So you but hope that's not that really you, what he does. No, no, but in in a pinch, when you want your teammates to come in and stick up for you, that I think guys like that could do that rather than sacrificing a roster spot for a guy who doesn't bring anything else. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. I just there there are players around this league, and look, the Coyotes had one for the longest time in Shane Doan, who could score goals and also. Be, if, if you messed with one of his teammates, he was more than willing to throw down. There's players like that around this league. I mean, there's David Backus and Wayne Simmons. There's plenty of them. But there's just – it can't be a guy that can only do that. That's the thing. You, you, if you, you can bring in a player that complements your team, that, that is an, an ancillary benefit of having them on your team. Otherwise – You're just Jordan Nolan. Well, yeah. Otherwise, you're, again, the Coyotes <laughs> cannot afford to take up roster space right now with uh. untalented players. They can't. Jordan Nolan. Nice reference. Thank you. This still one's go, still go back to that. Yeah. Ruined Rusty Klesla's career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. And didn't pay for it. In a preseason game. Brutal. Yeah, that was that was one of the worst yep. plays. Okay. In the last ten years. I've got another one. This one's okay. I'm sorry, do you so not? Are these questions, questions from listeners bothering you? I like the questions. Well, this, as long as Chris answers them all. This well, I have a question to ask afterwards. Oh, so okay. oh, I can't wait. wait. This one's from Joe. Last minute question. Hi, Joe. Should Coyotes fans be excited because of all this winning or cautious because it's all been in garbage time? Both. Both. Ooh. There you go. That's the answer. Both. Um, you, you can't be discouraged that they're playing well. I mean, you want them to, to win the games they have to play now. But I would be very cautious in how I look at what they're doing now and applying it to next season. One, obviously you need to make sure your goaltender is resigned, first of all. Second, even if that is the case, again, I've been, I've been saying this a lot, but you got to start winning games when they matter. And they've done this now, this is a little bit more pronounced this year, but they've done this two years in a row now where they've started off incredibly slowly and basically have taken themselves out of the playoff race by Thanksgiving and then got hot late in the season and ended the season with some optimism. You have to start winning games when they matter to you, not just because when they matter to other teams, when they matter to oh, you. Faux pas. Yeah, that's a fine. That's a fine. Was it Craig? Yeah, yeah. it was always Craig. <laughs> it's always Craig. This will be the topic, by the way, of the column that I write on the final game of the season. We'll be diving into that very topic. Yes, and, and I wrote... Small reserve answer. And, and I wrote a little bit about that in the article that went up Saturday night on FanRankSports.com, since that's a cool thing to promote our, our writing on FanRank. Oh. Um, about talking about things to be encouraged, so I thought Saturday night's game was a microcosm of a lot of things that you look at and say, if they're able to replicate this type of success next year when it matters, they will be in a decent position. But still... Cautiously optimistic, you need to start winning games when they matter. I think you know, maybe the best way to sort of symbolize everything you guys are saying, 
they've seen a lot of backup goalies on this run. Mm-hmm. And they see. I, I think all of John Gillies and Jack Campbell's career starts have come against the Coyotes in like the last <laughs> two months. And Louis Domingue when they played Tampa, and, and and so I get that they have and and whoever Buffalo's starter is doesn't even really matter when you play the Sabers. Yeah, the Sabers. So and like Minnesota, there was a game the second time they beat Minnesota where you figure if Alex Stalock's not in there and Devin Dubnik is, maybe that's a different outcome. But the flip side is. They did go into Vegas and beat Vegas. They did just hammer St. Louis in a game that St. Louis had to have. So you can make the argument of, well, you know, these they're they're getting they're facing backups and they're facing a lot of teams that are out of it, and that's a hundred percent true. You but, need to be aware of that. But it's not just that. It's not just that because I, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of so people have been a lot of people have been tweeting at I me. I have no opinion. A lot of people have been tweeting at me saying they're beating teams that are trying to make the playoffs or they're beating playoff caliber teams. Yeah. What I'm saying is not necessarily that their opponents aren't good. I am saying there is exactly zero pressure on anybody on the Coyotes to win right yes, now. Yes, that's true. Beyond just the normal competitive spirit of an, a- an athlete. There is no pressure to win. When there is pressure to win, when you are playing for something, can you still execute at a high level? And yep. that is something we have not seen in Years. We don't know the answer to that. I don't know. Yet. I don't know that they can't. I know they haven't. Yes. But the one last thing I would say, and Jamie brought this up, you know, last year they, they like did this. Tennis. Not not to this extent, but they wrapped up last season winning more games than they did at the start of the year. This year you can at least point and say the first month of the season they didn't have their goalie. And even in the second month of the season they didn't have their blue line fully healthy. Once they got Ranta and that blue line healthy – They've been a much they've they've been a playoff team since then. I mean that was essentially mid December, start of January. But you're right, you got to do it for 82 games. Yes, and, and you you can see when the Coyotes play some of these teams that there is no pressure on them. They can do whatever they want, and that's a that's a fun way to play hockey. But it won't be that way next. And there are year. a couple of things to look at. One, you can't completely write off the beginning of the season. Those games count. Those games matter. Oh, absolutely. So I, I can't say well since then. Yes, they've been better, and that's encouraging. That's what you want to see. Uh, but the other thing is there was going to be some adjustment time to yes. learning a new a new system. And and Rick Hockett has talked about how there's a, just a better understanding of what the, what he wants the team to do and the team understanding what they are supposed to do. All of that plays into it. I'm optimistic. I'm not talking down what they've done. I'm just saying it's a whole different animal when we get into next season, even with a similar roster than what we're seeing now. And just to assume that they're going to pick up exactly where they left off I think is – Flawed logic. Yeah, I never believe in momentum from season to season. And I think if you talk to most coaches, they'll say the same thing. Momentum is a, more of a short-term thing, so you cannot count on that. But there are encouraging signs in that they, they do have a much better understanding of what they're trying to do under Rick Tocca. They have solidified the blue line. If they re-sign on Tiranta, he's played well. No guarantee that's going to carry over, by the way, into next season. No. But and he's they been do good plan his whole to they do plan to be active again this summer. I get the sense that John wants to make a couple more moves. And if you want to point to reasons for optimism, and I know I, I think I said this on the last podcast that there's this bizarre thread out there that John Chica is on the hot seat because quote it hasn't worked. Just bizarre to me. Look at the blue line he's put together in the last. It's really three summers when you go back to Goligoski. Look at the goaltending situation. Well, it's really, I mean, we're not even to this summer yet, though. So two summers he managed yeah. to bring in yeah. Goligoski, Jalmerson, Demers, Chikrin. Right, exactly. For nothing. He, he constructed the blue line around Oliver ekman Larson, And that, in my Smart. opinion, is set. And if you get Antti Ranta back, at least you feel like you have a number one goal. He's, he's shown it over enough games where you feel like you have a guy who yes. can fill that role. He still needs to do it consistently and needs to stay healthy. But you've got a good working piece there. So... 
John Chica has done a lot of good work with this franchise in a very short period of time. I that should encourage yet people. to find any trades he's made that are bad. So here, here we've got two more questions I want to get to real quick, and we've kind of answered part of Greg's plus Greg, Chris's question. Greg, oh yeah, plus awards. Greg emailed into the show, so we can answer these kind of quick. But he's asking sort of what Craig just said: how active are they going to be in the off season? But specifically in in his question is if they don't get the number one pick, do you see them doing what they did last year and moving it? For another center. It depends. Where are they picking? What's available? That's There are just too many variables there for me to say. Um, if they fall to seven again, sure, it's it's in play depending on what they're chasing and what the possible packages are, who's available. So there's just too many variables for me to answer that other than to say that I do think they will try and add a couple more pieces. And if you heard John Chaika on the radio today, he talked specifically about that age group, 27 to 28-year-olds, where they feel like they have a void in the, in the system right now. So if you're looking at players, you might want to narrow it to that age group to figure out where they're going. Yeah, and just looking at Chaika's history, he, it, from my perspective, he's not going to be afraid to use any assets at his disposal to make the team better if there's a deal out there. I don't know if there's a Stepan like deal out there again this year. You're close, though, to being a, a playoff team. So if you picked sixth or seventh, right now the Coyotes have the fourth worst record, but they could easily jump Vancouver and maybe even a, a, another team. But unlike last year, if they use that pick, it's not a failure. Yeah. Last oh, year absolutely. it was. If they, yeah. if they used all their first-round picks, that was that, the big that thing. I said they, they, they would fail. But it wasn't a failure. They went on, got Ronte and Stepan yes. essentially for that pick unless you really overvalue Anthony D'Angelo. <laughs> um, Tony. I'm sorry, Tony D. Last one. From... This one's from Joe. Seeing how the Coyotes turn it around after Duclair left. I don't know. I wrote just Joe. This oh, this one okay. I had typed out. Seeing Sorry, how the Coy- Joe. Oh, boy. We'll just assume this one is from um, A Joe, Joe? Joe Pavelski. Okay. He's really interested in the Coyotes. Seeing how the Coyotes turned around after Duclair left, was there any stock in him creating locker room issues, or is it more of a reflection of panic's play? Uh, I don't think there were locker room issues panic. with Anthony Duclair. I think if there were questions about Duclair, it was about... Work ethic and ability to think the game at NHL pace, not to make the same mistakes over again. Those were the questions. I don't think he was negatively impacting the locker room. That's not fair at all. Anthony's a good guy. Yeah, yeah one, actually was, one of the best guys yeah. you'll meet in this game. It was just simply a hockey question and whether he fit docket system, whether he thought the game quickly enough, all the stuff we discussed on the podcast around the trade. Uh, correlation doesn't equal causation in this case. I think that's a, That could be your new t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Getting uh, mathematical with Jamie. And Richard Ponick has been... Very good. He's lately. been good. He's he's played well on that top line. That's the that's the biggest temper expectations guy for me because I just, I've seen enough of Richard Ponick to go. I don't. I think this is smoke and mirrors. Stepan, this is suddenly starts playing better. That's, he's a good player. Yeah, I know. But that's what I'm saying. He's like, a really good player. Yeah. He's going to be here next year. I, here's what it, Richard Ponick. Maybe Rick Tockett has discovered the secret sauce with Richard Ponick and has him playing it at a different level. He did play with Marion Hosa and Jonathan Taves for a season, and that helped him greatly. So when you play with better players, it tends to make you look better. I'm still not convinced. It's like when Chris gets like he's a guy. <laughs> I'm still not convinced that he's a guy that you want in that spot in your lineup. I I still think you can do better. That's fine. Leftovers, do you have something to say? Hey, where's your question before we get into awards? I just want to know that if you guys ever do a fan appreciation night as a group and you give out gift cards, will you make sure that they are activated before you hand them out? Ah, yes. The Ottawa Senators. Uh, I actually didn't know he was going to bring this up. Uh, But yes. uh, Now, to be fair, they're having some financial troubles, so maybe they couldn't actually afford the gift cards they handed out. Maybe they actually had to use them. 
Well, they're not using them to pay Eric Carlson's contract. Apparently. No, they are not. How much were they for? Were Ten they bucks. They hand out to the row. They were ten bucks each, and Oops. they were not activated. So can they be activated? Or I, I believe just... they still can be activated. I think I think they'll they'll find a way to make it work. But still, that's yeah, pretty, they, they they got got that's pretty that's pretty embarrassing. They got rid of. Of course, tourists. you'd think they'd find a way to make a contract for Eric Carlson work too. But yeah, you know, sure it's only their best player in a generational town on the blue line. You know, can't get around to it. From that, he's literally the only thing to watch on Ottawa, and he's going to be gone. Do we want to do all the awards this week since we're going long? I think all of them. We could just do the major ones. Well, I didn't know if you wanted to save a couple for next week when we do our playoff preview. We could if you'd like. It would be easier to do the Hart Trophy then because we'll know if Colorado and L.A. are in the playoffs. Okay, so let's save the Hart. Let's save the Hart for next week. What other ones do you want? Basically, I've got Hart, Calder, Norris, Vezina, Jack Adams, GM of the Year. Yeah. You want to do three next week and three this week? Sure. Okay, which three do you want to do this week? I don't care. Awesome. I'm laying it all on you. Let's go... go Calder, let's okay. go Jack Adams, and let's go GM. Okay, let's go all the boring ones. Got all right, well then, which one? No, no, that's fine. Let's, fine. let's save no, one, no, because let's I save think... one non-player award for next week. So let, let's do... I mean, uh, I'm fine doing those three because these three aren't going to change. Right, no, 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 no. Jamie, Jamie, Jamie doesn't these aren't do going to change. These so, aren't going to change. And I don't okay, want him to throw a temper true. tantrum on the floor. So let's start with the Calder, Matthew Barzell. Okay, done. Moving on. Yeah. I just want to mention a couple other guys that have... Yeah, that, that aren't being mentioned on some lists. Well, like Ky- Clayton Keller, Kyle. Yeah, yes, he's he's being mentioned. He's I've seen not several lists not. of top five where he's not on it. I just wanted to throw out Kyle Connor's name because somehow he has he's thirty been goals. Really good. He's he been really good. Um, I think he's a finalist now, isn't he? With thirty do you, goals, do you knock Besser out? I would have had Besser in as um, to me. Besser was the best rookie when he was playing it. I probably ultimately still would have had to lean Barzal if he's going to... I mean, he already has 82 points. He's picked up a point since the show started. How is that possible? Um, he must have had more than I realized last night. Besser has 29 goals. He's only played 62 Yeah, I'm games. still going Besser yeah. over Connor, but it's, they're, they're both really good. But I think when we look back in four or five years, Besser might be the best rookie in this class. Like, he seemed pretty legit. But th- the problem is so many other guys have stepped up since he got hurt. Mm-hmm. That he he probably has been passed and won't be a finalist. Um, Barzal's going to win. Yeah, I mean, uh, Keller, Pierre Luc Dubois had a quietly strong season. He's not in top three or even top five contention, but somebody that we should talk a little bit about at some point. Debrinket has twenty seven yeah, goals. Yeah, was good. Yeah, Dubois's been red hot lately. He had a hat trick the other night. I mean, we're not even mentioning Heesher, who had a pretty good year. Yeah, yeah. Yanni Gord. Yeah, but Yanni Gord has twenty four goals, sixty one points. Um, if you just go by goals, what are your, your top four? Are, are Kyle Connor? With 30, Brock Besser, 29, Alex Debrink at 27, Yanni Gore, 24, and then you get into the Keller, Barzal, Dubois area. But yeah. Barzal's okay because he's got 60 assists on top of the 22 goals he has. He's I think the, it's, Yeah, he's the only one averaging more than a point per game, right? Oh, yeah. Nobody so, else is even close to that. Yeah, Besser's .89 and Keller's third. We just mentioned that only seven players in the NHL hit 82 points last year. Yeah. So for a rookie to do it this Barzal's year. Barzal's been excellent. I just tease. He's clearly the runaway winner. The only debate is who the other two finalists yeah. are going to be. Um, Jack Adams. I, I, that one's easy for me, too. Yeah, there's no debate here. You're, uh, yeah. You took you're, an expansion team and made them the Pacific Division champions. Right. And I'm sorry. By the way, they're threatening to, well, I, I don't know how far they are behind Nashville, but they could finish with at least the second best record in the league. He's done such a good job where we won't even say his name on the show. Gerard Gallant. Okay, there you go. There it is. Um, uh, yeah, and, and in Craig's article, he also gives you know, uh, uh, does his top three and gives John Hines and Bruce Cassidy. Um, okay. 
And I haven't heard I much talk, talk about, about Cassidy. That's which, funny because when I was trying to come up with my list of three, Cassidy is the name that jumped out. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good call out there because we thought the Bruins were a wild card team at best. Yeah, We thought they might sneak into the postseason. We didn't know what they have. And they could win the President's Trophy. They've had a lot they of They could win the Cup. Too. They've yeah. had a lot of injures yes. too where they've had key they've players had a lot out of, of the young line. guys. And when you have a lot of young guys succeeding – you got to look at the coaches. Probably that system is helping a little bit. Mm-hmm. They have more points from rookies than any team in the NHL, yeah. right? That hasn't changed. I mean, that stat was out there about midway through the season, and then some of these guys got even better. So I would assume that, to me, he's number two because he is yep. winning with a very yeah. young team. And he's not just like, hey, he got this young team, and they're developing, and they're a playoff contender. Or they got in as the eight seed. Like Jamie said, they might win the President's Trophy. Uh, any other – like what about Paul Maurice? Yeah. I, yes. I, the thing I was, I think well. that team has been good. Just they didn't have goaltending. I thought they were. Like, under, I really think I they, were, they were underachieving. Yeah. So it's almost like, okay, yeah, the, you should be this good. That was a one. That was a one piece away team. Like I didn't think he was a bad coach last year when everybody was freaking out. Like this is a one piece away team. And we had this discussion before the season. Why give him the extension when you did? Because it, it wasn't fire Paul Maurice. It was just give yourself the option if they had another disappointing season. But they gave him the extension, and then he. Yeah, now it looks fine, anyway, but you could have yeah. done it this summer, yeah. too. Um, John Hines, I mean, with New Jersey is another one of those teams yeah. that's ahead of schedule. I think you have to consider them. They, a lot of young they, guys, they played yeah. really well. And the, the only other one I mentioned, and I don't think anybody's mentioned him, and Jared Bednar. Oh, I was just going to, yeah. I mean, yeah. Colorado makes the playoffs yeah. after being the worst team in the league last year. He was on the extreme hot seat last summer. Yeah. And yep. it was only after one year. Um, last question about this. How that one, I think, correlation causation isn't necessarily in play when it comes to Duchesne and the abs turnaround. What about nonlinear progression? Well, that the abs are kings of nonlinear progression. The, um, the last question I have on Coach of the Year, how are each of you going to react when Mike Babcock wins it? <laughs> I, I don't think. As, as much, I don't think he's going to be no. that high up on the list. You, we can all agree he's going to get first place votes. Yes, he might. I, he'll he'll probably finish in the top. Fortunately, five, the is, Professional Hockey Writers Association is making all yeah. their ballots public. So if somebody votes Mike Babcock first, they deserve scorn. I do wonder if that's going to change some <laughs> some voting. <laughs> they deserve scorn. <laughs> By the Unbridled way, scorn. Yeah, look, t- Toronto. They've won a hundred. They've got one hundred three points. They're a good team. He he's a good coach. He is not one of the top five coaching jobs. He didn't take a team that didn't exist 12 months ago and, and win a division championship. But that team plays in the desert. That's going to work against Gallant, unfortunately for him. Uh, what's the last one we're doing here? People still like Vegas right now. You tell me, Luke. GM of the year was the one. All right, fine. Okay. GM of the year. Okay. God, I have to do everything around Don't you think GM of the year should have a, a name to it as well? All the other awards have names, yeah. trophies. Just, like they gave just up. GM of the year. Yeah. Just give it to whoever won the first one. Just call it, yeah. Andy Shirelli. Andy Shirelli. Who's the greatest GM of all time? I don't know. Stan Bowman? Maybe his dad, but... <laughs> Just call it the Bowman? Well, Scotty Bowman's coach, so... Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. You, yeah. you could name it the Scotty Bowman Award. Well, the Don Maloney won Rename the first it, one. Yeah, that's true. Call it the, uh, yeah, I don't Don think Don you're going to call it that. Do you want an answer to your question, Luke? I'll, I'll jump in here, if you'd like. Yes, please. GM, GM. McPhee? Yes. Wow. That's, uh, that's who you're I, th- I think McPhee is going to get a lot more votes than he deserves this year. Agreed. Uh, I think I'm saying that. I'm, I'm in lockstep with Craig on this. It's Ray yeah, Shiro. It's, it's Ray Shiro. Ray Shiro, the, 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 the small and big moves. And I, I know we're supposed to look at this one year. They, people don't, so we're going to look at this. They season. don't. He's done a lot that's, this year. And that's the truth. People yeah. don't look at just but, one year. But y- y- the Taylor Hall trade's excellent. This year, the Johansson trade, that was a really good trade to get a, a, yeah, a second-line player that in my... for nothing. You're right. They stole him from the Capitals. For nothing. Yeah. 
I, I just they swept in. We were having that conversation over the summer. Remember, Craig started the yeah. text thread of, "Hey, Washington is over the cap. They're going to have to lose a player for pennies on the dollar." And within like ten minutes, New Jersey stepped in and Ray Shiro. Yeah, got and then they, they they drafted Heshier instead Patrick. of Dolan Patrick, who was considered the safer choice. And then they swing the trade to get Sammy Botton, which, which is, is a great deal. Terrific, terrific move. And they signed Will Butcher in the offseason. He made tangible moves this year that helped their team yeah. this year, and I think that's the best case for a GM of the year. Yeah, I, he's my vote clear in a way. This is what I he do think does. I, I do think McPhee gets too much credit for just picking the player that he should have picked uh, in most cases. Yeah, actually, anyway, Timo Polkinen. I would have McPhee fourth on my. I would have Timo Polkinen. I, 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 LOL. Yeah, I'd have McPhee fourth on my list. <laughs> Who um who else would you have up there? Eiserman and Poyle. Yeah, okay. and I know they're never... Eiserman's just well, so is Poyle. Those guys should always. Eiserman's made moves this year. They, yes. he went out and got McDonough and JT Miller. Yes, and and Sirkachev as well. So yes. he's made a lot of good moves. And David Poyle added and that, Kyle Turris. Yeah, David Poyle lost a first line winger, and their team got better. Yeah, I hate it for I mean, nothing. I have to agree with Jamie, but I think I would honestly go Shiro, Eiserman, Poyle, McPhee, which is exactly what you have, isn't it? Yeah, in that order. Craig, are those? I, your, I those are my four guys yeah, too. Yeah, okay. I think those only four, four guys I mentioned. Shiro, Shiro did a lot of this with Pittsburgh too when he was there. I mean, I was I was upset that they moved on from him, and then it obviously worked out with Rutherford. But he didn't get the credit he deserved in Pittsburgh, although he did win GM of the year at one point. What was that, 2013? Because he had Crosby and Malkin, and that's sort of like, hey, good for you, you drafted McDavid or whatever. But he made the sort of supporting cast moves that he is now making in New Jersey. And it helps when when somebody gifts you Taylor Hall for basically nothing. Yeah, but, but, but he was smart enough to pick up his phone and say, who do I need to call that will make a dumb trade with me? And also, it, it's again, it's another testament, and we've talked about this a lot with Eisenman, of when you have a good team, the little, the little bit of tinkering to try to improve your team in non-major areas. Like, sure, if you I have the opportunity... We with, like, a non-linear... No, but, like, like sure, like sure you, you, you get a guy like Taylor Hall who is going to change your top line, but it's tinkering with your second and third pairing defensemen, tinkering with your second, third, fourth lines, and always trying to improve. When you are, we are seeing now that the most successful teams, and it goes back to some of the Penguins era, are trying to find those players and trying to improve their the totality of their team and not just going, well, if I can't get a star, then I'm just going to stay put with the guys we have. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. Um, we'll, oh, we'll do... Just a compliment. Thank you. And, and nothing to add. No, no, I was talking about the thought in my head on how I'm going to close oh, out the show. Oh. <laughs> well well done, Luke. Let's do this. By the way, I'm glad, I'm glad we gave Leftovers a mic for all the contributions he, he provided dude to the told show. him not to talk. I mean, this is the. I mean, this is pretty close to perfect. It says nothing the whole show. I've, I've been under attack this entire show. My parents have been under attack. This whole I'm, not, show. I'm not very happy. Uh, I think he was more sympathizing with your parents, to be honest. Uh, you've been under attack for however many episodes you've been on the show, and this is 143. And it's the first time, first chance you've had to defend yourself, though. Yeah, and he and he failed like he always does. That's another test that he's failed. Wow. Uh, on that note, we'll do it's like okay. the games. So, so what are we gonna do? Um, Next week, we'll do the Hart, the Norris, and the Vezina. Yep, playoff preview. This is a, yeah, full playoff preview yeah. next week. We are, we're gonna With the do, matchups, we'll know. We're gonna, yes, well, I would hope we would know because they'll have been out for a couple of days. But we're going to go in-depth on each series. But um, Hart. Hart. For either one of <laughs> like you. the band? Yes. Anna Nancy Wilson? Each of you sing one Hart song. Um, okay. For either one Jamie of you. Jamie, go. Barracuda. <laughs> Ooh, Barracuda. <laughs> I want to leave so bad. Also, that's your new nickname. Um, Jamie the Barracuda Eisner. I like Chris that a lot better than, than Smelly or Stinky or whatever we're calling Christian Fisher now. Craig, Morgan. typewriter Morgan. Um, Leftovers. 
is Connor Call McDavid. Me Smith and Corona. Is, is Connor McDavid going to be <laughs> in either of your final top three? Nope. Not a chance. Ridiculous assertion that he belongs among the finals. Ridiculous. No. If they were close to a playoff spot and he were playing meaningful games for the last two months, which he hasn't been, okay. But he's put up garbage points in garbage time when the games didn't matter to the Oilers as well. Connor McDavid, you ready for this, Luke? Oh, boy. He's now the best forward in the NHL. Which means he can't win the heart. Just ask Sidney Crosby. But this, this is not about the best forward. Yes. It's he won just the, the Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky Award. That's right. He won the Wayne Gretzky Trophy or award. I don't even remember what I called it. I but he's the best forward in the league. But most valuable player has more factors playing in. I don't think you necessarily have to make the playoffs. I think it's important. It should be a factor in your measurement. But if you're not even close, fine. People say, well, where would, where would the Oilers be without Connor McDavid? Well, they'd still be near the bottom of the Western Conference. They'd be closer to the bottom, but who cares? You need to elevate your team a little more than that, like Nathan McKinnon is doing with a team that was the worst team in the league last year, or like Andre Kopitar is doing with the Kings, who played, I think, 56 games without Jeff Carter. He wouldn't be in my top five. And to be fair to McDavid... And he's really, really good, but he's, not my top He's five. got 103 points. I don't know that there's much he can do to elevate this Edmonton team, but the argument last year that got him the award over Crosby was... Well, Edmonton wouldn't have made the playoffs without Connor McDavid. <laughs> he elevated them. Yeah. Okay. So then, if, the, if that's that argument your argument, we made last year. you can't change it this year. That's fine. You know, you can't complain about McDavid winning last. Year. Like I, I, I couldn't complain. He had a great year, um, but he didn't have the goals that he even has this year. But you can't make that argument for him last year and then throw it away and say, well, that doesn't apply to Nathan McKinnon or whoever else you want to take. All these other guys around him and points are all in the playoffs. Like Taylor Hall has ninety three points, and New Jersey's going to make the playoffs. So. Yeah. The other thing is, too, yes, he's got 103 points. We might see three or four other guys hit 100, and if not, we're going to see them all hover in the high 90s. So it's not like it's that much he's, of a difference. He'd be number six for me on my if I was making a hypothetical list. So that's foreshadowing because you will make a hypothetical list next week. I will. All right. That's going to do it for us. Yes, full playoff preview next. What are we doing this, Tuesday next week? Monday we or Tuesday? We haven't, yeah, you, you tell me. I'll tell you. I off sleep here. Okay. Are we going to have a poll question this week? Yeah. We are. Going to, we're going Do to come I get up to participate one. next week? Am I allowed back? I don't know. After, after this performance? All right. Press box time for you. It's a playoff preview, and you like the Blackhawks. So we'll give you a second we'll, chance. Sure. Yeah. Second chance. I, you know what? I vote, I vote Chris back in next week. And I called him Chris, not even Leftovers. Uh, all right. For Craig Morgan. Like at all. For Jamie Eisner. For Leftovers. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast.